Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. What does it say about us that we've now done this many full draft previews, ramp-ups to the draft, analysis of, who knows, thousands of players at this point overall? It's part of like the DNA of this podcast because we have not really covered a truly competitive Red Wings team since we started, closer to a decade at this point. And uh, this year has the most uncertainty of all of the other ones, maybe combined. That's why you should listen to us because we've done this for so many years, waiting for a team to be good. And we've done all the analysis (laughs) year over year. We've become experts. Yeah, all those tweets and Reddit posts towards us of, I think I've narrowed down to the final three prospects I think the Red Wings will take, and we can just laugh and laugh and laugh, knowing it won't be any of those three. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The subject is I've been hurt before, but not always hurt. Um, Anyhow, the 2022 NHL Entry Draft preview episode is here. Thank you all for tuning in to the Winged Wheel podcast for this. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. What we're going to be doing this episode is looking at the 2022 NHL draft from an overall lens, but specifically a Detroit Red Wings Wings lens in terms of what's going to happen when Steve Eisman or Chris Draper or maybe they get Derek Lalonde up there, uh, take the stage. Are they going to make all their picks that they have planned right now? Who's going to go at eighth overall? Who's even going to be there? Um, We are going to be taking a look at the top 10 prospects or so that are firmly in the mix. We'll make our predictions, we'll give our rankings, we'll talk about you know what's more or less likely. Uh, we'll take a look at picks beyond pick eight because the Red Wings own many other picks, including two in the second round. Uh, and then we will just talk about the draft in general. Just before that, we'll do a little bit more conversation about uh, the updates that have come through about the Red Wings and the hiring of their coach, Derek Malone. But we did do an emergency episode for that. That crossed the threshold. So if you haven't listened to that, Go back and uh, have a listen and shout out to Prashant Iyer and his very small friend for joining us on that episode. So this is the big one. After this episode, before Thursday's draft, what we are going to do is we're going to have one more episode planned. That's going to be a mock draft uh, that'll come out probably Wednesday night. Thursday night, what we're going to do is have our annual Winged Wheel Podcast NHL Draft live stream. So if you don't already, youtube.com slash winged wheel podcast, subscribe, tune in. It's a lot of fun. And then Friday, uh, as usual for patrons, uh, you'll get access to a day long rounds two through seven, uh, basically giant hangout with the hosts of the podcast coming in and out, uh, all the other uh, patrons and everything where we're just going to enjoy rounds two through seven. I will say, I, I, I hope they follow suit last year and don't take, I don't know how long, two years ago's rounds they wrapped up last week actually yeah they're still finishing up the 2020 uh second day so uh lots of content to come draft week is an immense immense uh amount of content so we hope you enjoy it and uh, thanks for tuning in with us uh as usual uh, very quickly i want to do a shout out to the jamie daniels foundation jamiedanielsfoundation.org uh, to find out more about what they do uh, and how you can support them and uh, just want to thank all of you for helping us cross the now thirty-two thousand dollar threshold through wings money on the board uh, started with prashant Iyer, uh in support of the jamie daniels foundation 
Okay, let's talk. Uh, let's give a minute here to the Red Wings news. Derek Lalonde hired. Um, the Red Wings now have their head coach before the draft. I think, Evan, because uh, we didn't have you on that emergency episode, let's get your initial impressions on the hire and what this means for the Red Wings moving on for- moving forward. Um, well, I think the, the biggest thing is I was going to say the F word, which is familiarity. <laughs> <laughs> My finger comes off the yeah, button. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, I mean, we shouldn't, you know, we don't get anything out of the, the Red Wings camp on who they're going to potentially pick as the head coach other than they're casting wide net which maybe is the inverse of getting any information um but at the end of the day it boiled down to steve eiserman new on a professional level and had worked with previously and um maybe we shouldn't be that all that surprised um you know what if it's someone you've worked with before and you have good rapport and you like what they do why not i think the answer to this one's going to be obvious but just for the sake of asking it does this change anything? Does this mean anything? How does this impact the Red Wings in terms of having the head coach in place before the draft? Because it's reasonable to say you want Derek Lalonde to be the coach of the future. You don't want, we've talked about this before. We talked about this during the emergency episode. You don't want to hire him to talk about this again in two years. You want him to grow with the team through this rebuild. And then you want him to be the coach of a competitive Red Wings team. So does that mean anything for this draft coming up now? 98% no. Um, Steve probably wouldn't have hired him if they were on different pages philosophically on how the team should look, how the team should play. Um, it's been pretty clear in Eisenman's brief tenure back in Detroit that he's got a very clear goal for what types of players meet the criteria. Uh to be drafted and be a part of the Red Wings future. So if Lalone came in a week before and said, actually, no, that would be ludicrous for lack of a better word. Yes. I don't think it changes much. Um, Could there be like, you know, Lalone's looking up and down in the roster and goes, okay, I I get, we're trying to build a big defense, a competitive fast forward group, yada, yada, yada. Looking at the roster, there's, X type of player that I really want to utilize that will work well in that system. And I don't see one in the system run here. Could you maybe try? And then, you know, let's say for whatever reason, uh, Marco Casper fits that description. And they're like, well, we were considering him as one of the options anyway. There's the tiebreaker. Sure. But I I don't think beyond uh, acting as a tiebreaker, it's going to have any impact at all. Yeah, Brad, that was a good point about like, it's kind of just an edge case in terms of if you had to imagine a scenario in which it would influence things. I think the, yeah, the answer here in summary is Eisman really just wanted to get a major piece of work done before the draft. So he can then focus on the next major piece of work. And I have to say as Red Wings fans, we joked because last non-emergency episode, we said it was going to happen at the exact time it did. And you know, it was funny. It's like, Oh, it happened during a holiday weekend, but in all reality, it is good. Like you have to imagine how, unnerving or stressful or just distracting that would be going into a two day plus uh, event as a team where you're picking the players of the future and then you don't even have a coach and you have to worry about someone in swooping and taking your hire or you know leaks getting out and interviewing people and contract negotiations it's nice that it's all done in order and 
there's going to be more conversation about that uh, if if and when contract details are released. What's next for for Derek Lalone, his assistant coaching hires once uh, formally uh, announced and everything like that. So, uh, or at least one hire, and uh, we'll be here to do all that. Some other pieces of news that did come out uh, from the Red Wings. Um, this is courtesy of Elliot Friedman. Uh, Detroit did interview Calgary assistant coach Ryan uh, Huska, I believe it's pronounced, at least once. And uh, in the goalie world, Alex Westland uh, interviewed with the Red Wings. So looking to bring in some uh, some goalie coaching help there. It's not going to be a surprise. The Dylan Larkin extension is being worked on. Um there's speculation, and this is just people's opinions. I don't think anything concrete that the uh, no trade clause that kicks in on July 13th, which is the first day of free agency, uh, is a key date. So pretty much the implication here is the Red Wings would go to Larkin and say, hey, we need an idea of what you're looking for here because we need to basically look at all of our options. I'm not crazy. That's nothing like out of this world, right? Like that's just standard process. It's all almost expected. Yeah. And the last small note here is a name you're going to have heard around the Red Wings for a long time in a very like, it would make sense, or I could see the Red Wings being interested in kind of way is Jack Campbell. Um, the between the lines part here is I think the Red Wings are actually interested in Jack Campbell and there's probably the definitely not tampering, but we just want to see where he's at conversations as every team partakes in with free agency. Um you look at the Red Wings and Alex Nedeljkovic, and you know Alex Nedeljkovic had stretches where he was great for Detroit this year, but he also had stretches where he was absolutely not able to keep up with the barrage of shots, and you know completely crumpled and came back to form, which is important. But for a team with that doesn't have the kind of team defense that a Tampa Bay or a Colorado or you know a Cup contender has, you need to shelter your goalies a little bit, and that's with bringing in two good goalies at the very least. So. Uh, I think they are interested in Jack Campbell. That's what I've heard. Um, but considering what Jack Campbell is going to command on the free market and considering the kind of term maybe Detroit is or isn't willing to offer him, he's not really seen as a favorite to land in Detroit right now. So when we do free agency talk, there will be more of that to come. But for now, those are some Red Wings updates. Let's get into the 2022 NHL draft. And let's start with maybe a top 10 ranking of yours, Brad, and we'll go from there. The 2022 NHL entry draft has been interesting because this is a year where the number one pick that was supposed to be agreed upon all year is maybe not the case. Shane Wright has been surpassed by Uri Slavkovsky, at least in Bob McKenzie's rankings, which are a really good vision of what might actually happen, Uh, but it's close. So let's hear, Brad, your personal top 10 right now. All right. I'll blow through this reasonably quickly. At number one, I have Shane Wright. Okay. Um, Despite... Slavkovsky's meteoric rise, I will generally take track record, hockey IQ, and premium position mm-hmm. um, over someone like a Slavkovsky who is exceptionally talented, but uh, does not quite have the body of work and the track record that Wright has. Um, we see guys like Slavkovsky every year who kind of come out of nowhere and explode onto the scene. And because there's been less time to nitpick his game, they they tend to get... I don't want to say overvalued, but they always tend to go very high in the rankings. Yeah. Be- because like Shane Wright's had his game nitpicked and ripped apart for three years. And that happens with everybody in his position, but we now have the circumstance of he missed a year. So that throws a huge complication into it. I generally tend to fall on the sides of, hey, let's not overthink things. Good is good, right? Great is great. So um, 
I always fall to that. And again, just because someone's rising up the rankings doesn't always mean I will follow suit. Uh, that being said, at number two, I have Logan Cooley. Okay. Um, again, track record did not. Um, he he checks every box you want in an NHL center. Literally everyone other than size. He can skate. He's got skill. He's got vision. He's got goal scoring. He is the true complete center. He just doesn't sub six feet tall. And I mean, how do you argue against that, right? Uh, to have the complete package at a at the most premium position, man, I can't talk myself out of that at two. So then number three, obviously, I've got Slavkovsky. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's right. I, I think this tier of three has firmly separated themselves. Whether or not that happens on draft day, who knows? But I, I think this is a clear-cut top three. Um, Slavkovsky obviously checks the big power winger with skill every box, but he is a winger. He doesn't quite have the track record of the two guys above him and thus hasn't had his game ripped apart as much. And again, guys who have huge international tournaments, um, but not quite the same success at the club level always worries me a little bit. With Slavkovsky, it doesn't have to be as big of a concern because, I mean, everybody has eyes. You can see it. Yeah. Right. So that that definitely eases the tension, but he's far from a sure thing. I'm... I'm more confident projecting Wright and Cooley to the NHL than I am Slavkovsky. But again, I think they're all going to be top six impact players. Um, at number four, I've got uh, Simon Nemich. We we did a profile on him a few weeks ago. You're jack of all trades, highly skilled defenseman who can do basically anything you want offensively or defensively. Only question with him was the level he played at. As Mo Sider has taught us, that doesn't always matter. Uh, at number five, uh, this be the first one where I kind of stray away from convention. But again, if you guys have been listening, this isn't a surprise. I've got Matt Savoy here. I mean, if, again, another one of those cases, if he was six feet tall, he'd be higher than this, realistically. Uh, checks every box what you would want in a skilled forward. He A lot of this things I said about Logan Cooley, I can say about Matt Savoy. I just can't say for certain that he's a center. I think he is a center, could be a center in the NHL. I think he should be a center in the NHL, but because there's that question mark in people's heads, I, I understand. But for me, he's he's a top five, no doubt. Let me jump in here and compare to Bob McKenzie's top five. And, and again, for those of you who don't know, Bob McKenzie's draft rankings aren't his own personal opinions. They're his survey of GMs, scouts, people who are making the actual picks in the NHL. So they're a good vision to what teams are thinking. He has Slavkovsky first. Shane Wright second, but he himself will say he pulled 10 scouts or whoever. Five said Slavkovsky, four said Wright, one said Cooley. So this is close, razor thin margins. Cooley third, Nemich fourth, and Cutter Gauthier fifth, just to compare to where Brad's at so far. So Brad, take us with sixth. David Yurchek. Yeah. Um, who was it? Craig Button referred to him as Mo Sider Light. Which, as a Red Wings fan, how does that knock you at least a little bit excited? I know. Um, a lot of. Juracek's qualities going into the draft actually kind of mirror what it was for Sider going into the draft. Big, physical, right shot defenseman who can skate is tremendous defensively. Bomb of a shot, although that wasn't really a calling card for Sider. But there's questions about what his ultimate offensive upside is at the NHL level. So if you think Juracek can follow the most Sider path and the offense is there, okay, great. Like I have him ranked too low. If you think that 
it's not there and he's just going to be a one-way defenseman and that one way is defensive, okay, it's probably a little high. So um, I think he has some offense to his game. I don't think he's going to be a, a purely one-way defenseman, but I don't think he's Mo Sider at the same point. So hence why I have him sixth, ironically, where Mo Sider was picked. Uh, at number seven, uh, Frank Nazar. Mm-hmm. Everything I said about Logan Cooley, just a little less. <laughs> nice and simple for one of the premier names of the podcast yeah in yeah terms of like everything i said it it applies to frank nazer cooley's just a little better yeah in most of those aspects i mean Na- the one advantage that say nazer probably has over cooley is skating uh frank nazer might be the best skater in this draft if not he's certainly in the conversation with lambert yeah um number eight i have cutter goche yeah um you know what we were talking about slavkovsky the big power winger who can score that's Cutter Goche. He's got a better shot than Slavkovsky. Doesn't quite have the creativity that Slavkovsky does. And uh, he's got a bit of playmaking. His shot selection sometimes is questionable. But again, not there's there's not much here to nitpick about Goche. And uh, the fact that he's all the way down at number eight kind of speaks to how good this draft, the top 10 of this draft is. Number nine, um, the guy I've probably come around on the most in this draft from where I was a few months ago, Marco Casper. I am a sucker for pure skill. The guys who can, you know, do unbelievable things with the puck at top end speeds and can, you know, have the puck on a string, have an incredible shot and just, they make offense look easy out there. That's not Marco Casper, but he's effective. Mm -hmm. He just, he, he wills plays into existence. Not to say he has no skill. He's He's in my top 10. He obviously has an abundance of skill, but not to the level of a Cooley or a Savoy or a Nazer. But he is more effective than those guys in a lot of other ways, like off the cycle, um, net front. Um, his skating is is right up there with uh, a lot of these guys. Um, so, yeah, I – and that's not to say take away from his 200-foot game either because this guy really does give it 110% every end of the ice. And then rounding out my top 10, I've got – I was torn here like 50-50 between Kamel and the Karamaki. Mm-hmm. I went with Kamel just because he's done it at the higher level. And that was literally my only tiebreaker because they are so similar in terms of their profiles. I probably should have given the edge to the Swede just because, you know, we're a Red Wings pro- <laughs> podcast. But no, Kamel, uh, before his injury in November or December, was literally leading the Liga in points and goals, which is insane for a 17-year-old. Obviously, he didn't have the second half. I don't think anybody expected him to have the second half matchup with this first half, but the fact that he was able to do that at all is truly remarkable. Um, not necessarily the type of player the Red Wings need right now because he's he's a shooter and the Red Wings need more playmakers, but <laughs> when you got a guy who can score 30 to 40 goals in the NHL, probably on the regular, it's it's never a bad option. And the same thing goes for LeCaramacchi, who I have at 11. So Bob has uh, Juracek ranked 6th, Kamel 7th, LeCaramacchi 8th, Matt Savoy 9th, Marco Casper 10th, uh, and then notably in there, Frank Nazer is at 15th in the Bob McKenzie, this is what's happening in the NHL rankings. So Brad, thank you for that. I'll throw it to you, Evan. Any of those names stand out in there uh, as you know being on either Bob's or Brad's list here as being wildly high or low or anyone? Brad, can you go through yours just name rapid name fire yeah rapid fire them all right right cooley slavkovsky nemich savoy juracek nazer goche casper kamel i mean nothing is wildly different than that in terms of like what i've thought the top 10 would look like 
you know, around 9, 10, you see most people have got a little bit of a different combination. But basically, 1 to 8 is almost a mix of the same guys, just in a small different order. So, like, for me, I've still got Shane Wright, I've got Slavkowski, then Cooley as my top three. Um, For all the reason you said, um, I think Shane Wright still probably has the most complete game and will project that way. Um, I don't know if Montreal will make that pick, but that's, that's just what I, team aside, that's what I thought. Um, and then obviously Slavkowski goal scoring massive and he's on an absolute heater up the rankings right now. Cooley, you described it. Great, great centerman. Um, and he, honestly, I could see him going first overall. It's, it's, It's I could see Montreal doing it. Um, One of McKenzie's scouts did. Yeah. So, um, then, you know, it comes into Simon Nemich. I think that one is good. The only real pers- player that I don't have in my top 10 who's gone in and out seemingly for no rhyme or reason is Frank Nazaro. I don't have him in my top 10, but he's right there. Um, and I can't decipher why some people hate or shouldn't say hate. Don't see him as a top or see him as a mid teen pick rather than a top 10 pick. Oh, because <laughs> Brad can look him straight in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I might actually be taller than him. But then we'll they'll see the, the same people will have Matt Savoy eat a bolt on in the top 10, but they'll have Frank Nazar way outside of it. So that's the only guy in that list that that I didn't have in my top 10. The other guy I had a lot higher was Cutter Goche. I think. I think he's gone at five or earlier. I, he just screams GM guy mm-hmm. all the way through and through. He's going to play center at Boston College or university, one of the two. He looks more like a, a power forward winger to me, um, but that's not to say that he, he can't excel as a centerman next season at college. Boston um, College. Boston College, there you go. So I... <laughs> There's going to be a team, I think, that just absolutely loves him and what he and his build, and he's going to go way earlier than what. It's going um, to be Philly. Yeah, it's That's Philly. That's my guess at five. I think it's Philly as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say I'd agree almost certainly with Brad's top ten. There's just a couple of guys there that um, I can't still get a, a read on. So, I mean, without going into like insane amount of detail on all of those picks, because we have more players to talk about here. Yeah, you have Wright and Cooley leading the potential centermen, Slavkovsky as maybe the most dynamic player in the draft. Nemec and Yurchak as defensemen, maybe in that order, uh, who, you know, in a, with fewer talented players ahead of them could be perfectly justified as top three picks. And then I think after that is when you start to get into you put Gochi in there because again premium position and like you mentioned Evan he's rocketing up the draft boards and that's a coach's player that's a GM's player oh yeah any one of those guys fall right like that's my cutoff like right Kuli Slavkovsky Nemec Yurichek Gochi any one of those fall it to eighth overall you're sprinting to the podium right yeah well as Steve Eisenman in the Red Wings honestly the way, where I'm at in this draft right now is I. You always, you know, start to see those grocery sticks and tears emerge in, in your own head and in your own rankings in this. And and for me, I think the benefit of the way this draft being not so top heavy, but being really deep is 
my top 11 has separated like any one of those 11 at eight for the Red Wings. And I'm thrilled. And I don't remember the last time going into a top 10 in the draft where I'm like, I I had my list going that deep. Now, you know, if Cooley or Nemich or, you know, falls, yeah, the Red Wings should sprint to the podium because holy hell. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I think Juracek falls in that category, but I like Savoy better than Juracek anyway. And odds are Savoy's going to be there at the Red Wings pick. At least it's looking likely. So I'm not like as high up the got to sprint to the podium for your check. Um, but obviously, if the Red Wings do get him, he's above eight on my board. So <laughs> to me, that's great value. Um, but yeah, so I think it's going to be a fascinating draft. And even checking Bob's rankings where he was referencing a lot of the prospects, the ranges on these guys is insane. Yeah. Like Frank this might Nath- be the most like. I'll say scattered or divisive draft. Oh yeah. I've, I've seen since we've started doing the podcast. hundred percent. There's guys in the first round who are like damn near unanimous first round picks where the range on them is like 18, 19, 20 picks apart. I've never seen that. Like if I told you right now, Frank Nazer went fourth. Are you shocked? I'm pretty surprised, but I'm not, you know, running out the window. You can see the merits to it. Yeah. Yeah. If he goes 20, are you shocked? No, not even a little bit. See? Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's insane. I'm also dead inside, so. (laughs) But, and obviously. It's hard to make me feel. Yeah. You know, we say that about Nazar, but like, there's, you could say that about Marco Casper. You could say that about Brad Lambert. Look at Brad Lambert. If someone really believes, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but if someone really believes in Brad Lambert, that is a very justifiable top 10 pick. Else, if he goes 30, I'm not surprised. No. Connor Geeky, same thing. Yeah. Owen Pickering, same thing. Denton Matejchuk, same thing. Like, it's nuts. Like, generally, when you start to hammer down the first round of a draft, you can usually, with about 80% of the players, narrow them down to like a four or five pick window, and it will hold up. And there's always a few outliers, but, you know, 25 to 26 of the picks in the first round, you're like, yeah, they went about where I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> throw that out the window for this draft once you get past the top five or six all bets are off so let's do i want to talk about a couple other players in here so we talked about you know the ones who are most likely going to go above detroit or at least at this point with any amount of certainty that anyone can have it with this draft class are likely to go above detroit and then we mentioned those in the range, and and that's you know Nazer, Savoy, like Karamaki, Casper. I'm going to throw Minchukov's name in there, even though a defenseman might not be popular if it's not uh, Nemetra Yurchek. I'm going to throw Danila Yurov in there, even though that might not be you know popular for people. Brad Lambert's name should be mentioned. He's to quote Evan here, very divisive in terms of uh, prospect. Someone else who I will maintain should be in the mix here is Connor Geeky. If we are going to elevate Frank Nazer as uh, a prospect, even though a lot of people have him mid to late teens even, uh, and on on Bob's board, he's 15th, so that might be a little bit later than what the Red Wings are looking at. If we're going to elevate Nazer because he's a center, then I think the same kind of conversation needs to happen about Geeky. And I'll Bra- have that conversation. And- I'll disagree with everything you just <laughs> said, but I'll have that conversation. And I was going to say, Brad, in previous episodes, I think you've done a good job as to why we don't necessarily think it's likely for the Red Wings, as we can you know, try to take a foray into Steve Eisenman's mind, help you if you ever try that. Um, but he's a centerman where 
if a team believes in Connor Geeky as an NHL player in the top six, then he is going to go much higher than his 13th rank on Bob's board in my mind. Yeah. Um, a gigantic center with skill. He's every team's dream, except maybe not Steve Eisenman, because Steve Eisenman also values compete and speed, which are two huge question marks with Connor Geeky. Again, I don't love the player. I think I have him at like 19 or 20 on my board because, again, he is slow and he plays slow. And those are two massive red flags for me in the NHL. That being said, if he gets over those, the guy's a star. Mm -hmm. I'm not super confident he will, which is why I have him ranked lower. But if he does, he's a star. But speaking from a Red Wings perspective, if the Red Wings picked him, I would be surprised because he doesn't fit the mold of what Eisenman's been looking for in his three years with the team thus far. Okay. Let's, uh, I want to get into some like hypotheticals here, but let's first do one simple exercise. I'm going to read out a potential draft order and you are going to give me your preferred pick if it shakes out this way. And then you're going to give me your, this is what I think Steve Eisenman is going to do pick. So let's say the draft goes Shane Wright, Yuri Slavkovsky, Logan Cooley, Nemich, let's say Cutter Gauthier, Yurichek, Kemmel. So left on the board is are the likes of Lekaramaki, Casper, Savoy, Nazer, Geeky, Minchikov, Korchinski, Yurov, etc. Who is your preferred pick? Shock, I know Brad's yours is going to be a big shocker. And who is who do you think Steve Eisman will take? My preferred pick would be Matt Savoy, mm-hmm. um, for all the reasons I laid out. The two names that come to mind for me who I think the Red Wings would pick, even though Matt Savoy checks a lot of their boxes, but the questions at center I could see arising, would be if they're hell-bent on a center and we're going like building a player from Steve Iverson's mold that might be Marco Casper. And... Just because of the way trust operates in the uh, Red Wings front office, if Hakan Anderson is sitting there and banging the table for a Swedish prospect that he has fallen in love with, I would not be even a little surprised if it's LeCaramacki. Yeah, that's a good one. Because like nobody's going to have more exposure to LeCaramacki this year and maybe the entire NHL than Hakan Anderson. And Hakan Anderson is the most respected, trusted scout possibly in the entire NHL. So if he walks into that room and goes, yep, Savoy's great. Yep, Casper's great. But LeCaramacchi is going to be a superstar. That's the pick. Now, the inverse could also be true. You could go, I've watched a ton of this kid and I just don't see it at the NHL level. And that would wipe him off their board entirely. So I just, this Swedish factor always is heavy in these picks with the Red Wings. I want to talk about that in a second. But Evan, you go first with your preferred and then what you think Eisenman would do. Okay, I'll say preferred because I don't know who the hell Detroit will go with. With what has been drafted already, I'll say Lekaramaki. My only issue with him is a lot of his points come on the power play, and by God. Hey, the Red Wings <laughs> could use that. By God. <laughs> um, the thing is, is he might be a little bit more of what they've already got. Like, he's got a wicked shot. Um, he's got decent playmaking. Um, but, you know, the five-on-five game I'm a little concerned about. But I wouldn't be upset with the pick. LeCare Mackey does strike me as a right-handed, little smaller, little faster Verona. That's a big vote of confidence. At eighth overall, I, I know people might be hoping for, well, actually, I don't know, but they might think, oh, I want more upside or I want a top six center. But if you can lock in a 
Verona. <laughs> I just I just have this vision in my head of Larkin on the bumper or Raymond in the bumper with Verona and Lecare Mackey on either side just teeing off. Like, the same thing could be said for Kamel. But uh just firing total piss missiles. Yeah. Uh, five on five question marks remain, but oh that would uh dramatically improve the Red Wings power play. So, so that's how the draft goes. I'm not super thrilled about how the other teams have drafted because they've taken all the players that I had earmarked before. Right. Um, obviously, I'd be okay as well with Matt Savoy, but I'm not going to rehash that conversation for the umpteenth time. He's he, But he took the ring into Mordor, so what do I know? <laughs> right, he's, he's not like, even the smallest player in my top ten. Oh, that's got a bias. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's, I'm going to give, so, I'm going to agree with Brad because, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment. My preference here is Savoy and it's not for positional need. It's not because I, you know, believe or don't believe Savoy is going to be a center. I think Brad has a lot more certainty than in that than I do. I have a lot more hesitance, but at this point with how much variance there is, my tendency and my bias is to swing for upside. And I think Savoy has the most talent, the most upside based on everyone who's been drafted. Talent upside wise, he's a top three pick in this draft. Well, that's a hot Easily. take. What? Really? Yeah. I mean, is that a hot take? More than skill in total package without size? More than right Slavkovsky and Cooley and Nemich? I'll agree with uh, Evan that he's very close. I think he's very close to say definitively. Well, I, hey, I'm, I'll die on hills. I don't care. I'll say top three. If we're talking just pure skill, he's probably ahead of Slavkovsky. But Slavkovsky has the benefit of being almost as skilled, uh, but like 300 pounds heavier so and two feet taller. So, so. they're both, if, well, I mean, this is the most ridiculous hypothetical because height and weight clearly play into Slavkovsky's game. They're both six feet tall. Who do you take? Savoy. Thank you. Yeah, I, I understand. Agree with Brad, this but I understand. This is the stupidest <laughs> hypothetical yeah. because it's not even remotely possible. Yeah, that, that's that's what, what I'm trying to say. That what, That's exactly what makes Slavkovsky a unicorn is because he can do things, a lot of the things like Cooley yeah, and Savoy can do, but he it's, can do it at 6'4". I'm attempting <laughs> to put, I'm trying to make a square peg going around hole right now. But no, no, I get your point. Talent-wise, Savoy is probably the third or fourth most talented player in this draft for future reference evan i do the terrible analogies and bad hypotheticals oh okay i need you to stay in your lane of hot takes okay. and having funny jokes about brad's height I, is this a hot take i don't think shane wright will be one of the best top five players out of this draft that's hot. top five that's hot. Uh, it's scorching hot that's very hot yeah you know what? You're just trying to get in the future, like ice hockey gifts. No, no, yeah. <laughs> when the Red Wings draft them, and then I'm an idiot. Um, yeah. Uh, ice hockey gifts. If this does end up happening, please include mine and Ryan's <laughs> reaction to that statement, so we don't get I'm lumped just gonna, into that. <laughs> we'll just need to take two second pauses before and after every hot take I say, so it's clippable. <laughs> no, no, oh, we're staying in. We're gonna have to work on our like facial expressions just to convey shock and bewilderment. You can use those on the YouTube thumbnail. Yeah, yeah, we're just. I don't know what it is about just, Shane Wright. Everything like I watched, he just doesn't do anything for me. But he like he's clearly a, an ultra talent. I just for some reason it just doesn't blow me yeah, away. His man. his underwhelming season was ninety something points in sixty something games. In, like <laughs> in a in a draft with an incredible amount of variance, I am not going to beat up on you because you have a hot take like that. It it could very well happen. 
He can go no, third. we will in three years. When yeah, in three years, yes, yeah. <laughs> we won't even be here. <laughs> I saw a mock. He went fourth, which like I could see a I could see a reality where he goes three. I think fourth is like insane, but I I've seen it. Um, I but I was even wondering like the hypothetical. I, it wasn't something I was ever going to say out loud because it's dumb as hell. But we're, we've gone this far, and after Evan said that, I might as well. Um, is let's say Montreal takes Slavkovsky. We know New Jersey's picks available. If contract negotiations with Larkin are going piss poorly, do you just trade Larkin straight up to New Jersey for two? And no, this, and is, take, this right? is too bad shit for me. Well, is, I said it was bad shit and dumb as hell. We but. have too much episode ahead of us for me. I can't. I don't know. Like, no. No, no. Okay. I'll say yes, just because then we're 50, 50. Hell yeah. yeah. There we go. Cause <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I literally don't know, but I was just thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, if, if Larkin doesn't want to extend here, cause the Red Wings soccer, he thinks he'll get more on the open market. I mean, okay. <laughs> okay let, let me rephrase. You definitely have to think about that. I just think that is yeah. so fun. And, and not to say you think it's likely cause you've qualified that you know that this is yeah. just for fun, but that is just so if you think drafting Moritz Sider was a shock, oh, Gary man. Bettman walking to the stage and saying that would would be the craziest thing like, I've heard. Like you guys if we would see, have to weekend at Bernie's me for if the rest we of the see, stream. If we see no tweet in the next few days saying that contract negotiations are progressing ni- nicely, Montreal takes Slavkovsky, and then at pick two, Bettman walks up to the podium, I might have a stroke. There's like 20 other, 29 or 30 other teams that could be in that trade, but still. <laughs> Got to make sure that window's preemptively open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to give mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish my point here, and then we're going we're gonna to go to break very quickly. My preference would be Matt Savoy for the – I'm not quite where you guys are, but you've, you articulated it very well in terms of his overall upside. If it shakes out how I described, I think the more likely pick – maybe just edging out Matt Savoy because we know the Red Wings like Savoy and, and all of his talent is Marco Casper. You guys still got to sell me on him because I do not see top six centermen so, in him at all. Okay, so here's the biggest compliment I gave him in our when we did our prospect profile. And this still requires a lot to go right for him after the fact. Like he definitely needs to improve things, but that does happen with players is right now, Marco Casper's profile traits and strengths line up extremely similarly to how Dylan Larkin was projected going into his draft. Okay. Hands like above average, but not anything special. Okay. Shot, not anything special. Great skater, unbelievably competitive 200 foot game. Like, the talking points with Casper are the same talking points that Dylan Larkin had. Now, Larkin was different because he was in the USNTDP and wasn't playing pro, but his production was stifled because the he was the second line center in the USNTDP playing behind Jack Eichel. Casper's playing in a pro league. So, so if this is the case, shouldn't they just draft Frank Nazar? That is still my argument. <laughs> that That is my argument why I have Nazar ahead of Casper. Um, and like when you actually go look at Nazar's numbers versus Logan Cooley, like is real close. But anyways, that's that's the appeal to me with Casper is like, yeah, you can make compete skating and hockey IQ into a top six center in the NHL. You can take that because it's not like it took Larkin years and years and years to turn into a top six center in the NHL. He literally was successful his first year. Like he came in and was 
you know, one of the top rookies in a very, very stacked rookie crop. Let's not forget his rookie year was Panarin, McDavid, Eichel. Like, yeah, they, they turned out okay. Yeah. Those so, some good career earnings. So again, I have Casper in my top 10. He's not in my top eight. So no matter how it shakes down, he's not my, pre- oh, sorry, I have him at nine. He's not my preferred pick for the Red Wings, but I will be more than okay. I will be very happy if he is the pick. Um, but yeah, like I said, it will require him to improve his shot, which as we've learned over time is the one thing prospects can improve more than any other skill. And he's just going to have to really translate that pace and hockey IQ up levels, which I think he can do, but yeah, the only reason those are really good points, Brad, and I will go further to say players who have really high hockey IQ and think the game really well, and especially can be such a good centerman at such a young age, the smarter, the simple answer is the smarter you are playing hockey at the center position, the more likely you are to be a player who can learn and grow and develop better, right? It's not a lot. Some guys can do that off raw talent. They can be complete meatheads and, but just get better and better as hockey players. But players who think the game really well at a young age, you're well poised to improve. Now I'm going to go sideways here. The only reason I haven't pushed Marco Casper more as a potential or even likely Red Wings pick is this. I think, and from what I've heard, Ottawa really, really likes Casper. So if no one, if there isn't a run of centers, which I mean, pick one position for there to be a run of in the top 10. If there isn't a run of centers, even before Ottawa, if Casper's sitting there for Ottawa at seven, I think Ottawa from what I've heard really, really likes him. I think he fits. He'd be a great pick for that team. I think he fits what they need. I don't know that he matches exactly what their their draft class and draft style has been in the past, which is why it was surprising for me to hear that. But I think Ottawa likes him. And I think, you know, that's the pick right before Detroit at seventh overall. So I almost don't expect Casper to be there. If we talk about Cutter Goche rocketing up lists and going as high as fourth or fifth or who knows, maybe even higher. I think Casper needs to be lumped into that as well. The offensive upside in my mind isn't as high, but hark back to what Brad just got done telling us. So yeah, I, I think if Casper's there, I think he's the pick for Detroit. Okay, quick break here. Uh, I want to tell everyone that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need, even more excitement in the game. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They're simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. Plus, they're tons of fun with unique bet types like same-game parlay and exclusive promos on the biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings back safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that first bet. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Now, what we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today to get started with that risk-free bet and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net, West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. So we've talked about players who, if we had to pick one, 
who we would want the Red Wings to pick. And if we had to pick one in terms of who we thought Steve Eisman would pick, and there's you know a couple of notable names: Savoy, Casper, Lacaramaki, who are probably nearer at the top of that list. Who are some other names that people should be considering here with the ever-present giant massive grain of salt that says this is a wildly variant draft in terms of expectations compared to previous years do not get married to one single player so who else should be on there so if we're talking about pick eight obviously um again i think the hakan anderson factor is bigger than we give it credit for just because again he's the most respected and successful scout possibly in the nhl so if he sits there and bangs the table for you know, a European player, more specifically a Swede, uh, the Red Wings are likely inclined because, again, he was probably the guy banging the table for Cider just because he's the head European scout. Um, so I look at the two Swedes who have been consistently climbing the board all year in Liam Ogren and Noah Osland. Oh, those are going to be my fur, like my more far out picks. So that shows yeah. <laughs> how wild this draft I is. I mean, I've got them both inside my top 22. So it's yeah. not, it's not like super, super crazy. Yeah. But, you know, Ogren is one of the best scoring wingers in the draft. And Osland is kind of that undersized, but can do it all type center. So, you know, if the Red Wings really do like a Matt Savoy or a Frank Nazer, there's a lot of, reason to like Noah Osland. I don't think his skill level is as high as those guys, but you know, the, the 200 foot center who, who can produce points and do basically everything you want. Yeah. There's a really good case for Osland. Um, and any other year where maybe the top 10 wasn't so deep, he'd get a little more consideration up there. But if I think the Red Wings are going to make a wild reach, like guys who are outside of the consensus top 20, I think those are the, the two that I, would not rule out let's talk about frank nazer frank nazer is probably the hallmark prospect where we love him on this podcast probably more than the consensus does actually by rankings that's absolutely true frank nazer if we're talking about cutter goat jay higher on that list we're talking about marco casper as a centerman we're talking about even massive boys a potential centerman we have to be talking about frank nazer as well like you said, Brad, I think right up there with Brad Lambert, maybe even right tied with him in terms of best skater in the draft. He's come into the US NTDP and I think been extremely impressive. His offensive upside, the way he's able to use his speed to generate separation, his ability to play in a way where I don't have a lot of fear that he's going to be like a perimeter player with it, which is I think of a is a risk for guys who are maybe seen as undersized and don't have like NHL kind of physical attributes at the moment. Watching him use his skills, he has excellent puck control. He has excellent, you know, one-on-one uh, ability, but his his ability to kind of hit high percentage areas, I think think the game really well in a way where I have confidence that he's going to project as a centerman. He's there for me. I don't know how much the Red Wings will love him. I think if they, if they think Savoy could potentially play center the goal with Savoy because they probably see more upside there. If they, it, it really depends on how they see his compete. I've heard people think his compete is through the roof. I've heard some people say his approach to the game is a little bit more laissez-faire than what they'd like. Um, but if they think he's a centerman, I think you have to consider him as one of the potential, if not more probable Red Wings picks. I mean, I have him in my top eight, so obviously I, I have him as a candidate. But what was the word Evan used with um, Lund earlier? Familiarity? Yeah. Uh, where does Nazer play this year? He, uh, played at the USNTDP and has committed to Michigan. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Right down the road in Ann Arbor. So, hmm. and 
obviously it's not just that he's going to play down the road. The Red Wings are going to be highly familiar with anyone playing the US and TDP. Yep. And anyone who's committed to Michigan, they're going to have a lot of eyes on pretty much any time they hit the ice, right? Yeah. I, I honestly... I'm probably summarizing in his game that's just selling him too short. Um, if my you know, aunt had wheels, she'd be a bike. I get it. But if Frank Nazer was 5'11 instead of 5'9 or 5'10, I think he'd be much higher on lists. I know uh, he would be. And it's not a guarantee that all those guys are going to build NHL strength. And there's not a guarantee that all those guys who stay small can come in and hang in the NHL because where you get absolutely beat up on. But he's uh he's in there in the mix it it just really depends on how the red wings view his his potential to play center at the nhl level yeah i'd say watching his tape the one wow factor to me outside of his little water bug type gameplay is his passing and his vision Mm -hmm. he will be looking one way it's like a no look pass in basketball he he just kind of throws those and hits a guy that only he saw on the ice and it he's got wow factor that other guys in the top 10 don't yeah um so i mean i like his game a lot but i mean i like matt savoy a little bit more than him so if you know if they're both sitting there and they take frank nazar over over matt savoy they've clearly have watched his game a lot more um but um i if both of those guys are there i think savoy is, would be my pick who are some other names that might pop up here? What's the probability of a, I mean, I, I on previous podcasts, I've talked very highly and I, I maintain this of Pavel Minchikov. What's the probability of a Minchikov coming up? What's the probability of them taking a swing on Yurov, right? Or are they believers in Brad Lambert? Where do you see those, those kinds of names factoring in as potential eighth overall picks? Not impossible. They're all in my tier of not my preferred picks for the Red Wings, but I'm not flipping tables if they do. Like I'm, I'm whelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they all have huge question marks. You know, Minchikov's defensive game uh, leaves a lot to be desired, which as a defenseman is a problem. But you know, there's been the theories that well, Saginaw played a horrible defensive system. You get him somewhere else. Who knows? Because the offensive ceiling is is immensely high for him. You know, Brad Lambert's got the big risk of, hey, he doesn't produce. He's got every skill you'd ever want in a hockey player, but for the love of God, he cannot shuttle a puck into the net with a rocket ship if you gave it to him. So, um, and who's the third one you mentioned there? I talked about Minchikov. I talked about Lambert, and I talked about Yurov. Yurov, yeah. Yeah, I I'd love him as a top 10 talent. But holy hell, how can you it's hard pick Russian a Russian at eight hard. right now? Yeah. Well, he lives in the greatest city in the world <laughs> where Europe meets Asia. <laughs> That's a top 10 pick guaranteed. Evan looked up Magnitogorsk. He was just on the Wikipedia page for one reason or another, and that's their city motto, apparently, and he has not like, let it go. Why is <laughs> Why would that be it? I don't know. I mean, it it sucks, and we haven't talked about it yet, but... After seeing what happened to Ivan Fedotov, I don't want to say how can you pick a Russian at eight, but man, how can you pick a Russian at eight? Like he literally wanted to leave to come to play in the NHL next year, which has happened a billion times in in hockey history. Uh, He got arrested, transported to the hospital, and now is enlisted in the Russian military somewhere in the northern middle of butt F nowhere russia and he will not be coming over next year like 
if people are wondering, oh, well, how much can the Russian factor actually apply here? Yeah, they're literally forcibly, more than ever. They are literally forcibly keeping Fedotov in the country against his will this year because of, you know, uh, military conscription requirements or something along those lines, which in history hasn't seemed to be a deal breaker, but all of a sudden now is weird. What changed this year? Yeah. So as much as I love Yurov as a player and I could easily justify him at number eight on talent easily. Mm -hmm. Holy hell. You gotta be very geopolitically confident. Like I'm all for Russians outside of the first round, like take your swings. Um, but man, when you're in a rebuild, you can't miss on a top 10 pick. You just can't. One name you guys didn't mention is Kevin Korchinski. Yeah. Um, I don't think he has the the massive upside as a Minchikov, but I think he has far better defensive game than him. Um, he's got, he skeets like a, a little strange, um, but I think he's very well-rounded uh, defenseman for his age. And, you know, he's, he's a left-handed defenseman. The Red Wings have... No one that I'm aware of, right? Left-handed defenseman on the roster or in the system? Because those are two very different roster. answers. I'm dra- you, you draft him for the holes you got. Listen, You're I will not. To- I will not take this Jake Wallman erasure. But anyways, like right now, Jake Wallman is the that Red Wings' best that. left-handed defenseman until Edvinson passes him or whoever by they sign. Sometime in not one by by the end of October. Yeah, that's one. How much do you believe I mean, in Kor- Johansson? Korchinski's game is so raw, though. You're not seeing him for two years, at least. So he does, current roster does not even factor into picking Korchinski at all. Okay, so I do I do like Korchinski. Don't get me wrong. So you got I, Korchinski and um, Edvinson on the left-hand side. That is shapes things up very nicely for when you're it does. a true cup contender. I've seen a lot of Shea Theodore comparisons to Kevin Korchinski, which is one of the few public sphere comparisons that I actually do really like and agree with. It's going to take a lot for him to get there because, you know, obviously Korchinski's defensive game still leaves a little to be desired, but I you can say that about 80% of 17-year-old defensemen. So I, I don't get too hung up there as long as the fundamentals and the effort are there, which they are for Korchinski. And then his offensive game is so special that, you know, you can perfectly justify the gamble there. Uh, I love Kevin Korchinski because he's one of the few, one of the very, very, very few times in the history of this podcast I actually look smart for a brief window. Mm-hmm. After the top prospects. Yeah. He looked great at the top prospects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was him and Jagger Ferguson. I'm like, I haven't read anything about these two guys in the first round. Who the hell are they? And they're really good. And then literally since that game, it's just been higher and higher. So I'm like, oh, okay. My eyes aren't broken. Yeah. So another very complicated player, A, because of the Russian factor, and B, because of more um, unfortunate reasons, Ivan Moroshenchenko. That is – and – like he has had to fight Hodgkin's lymphoma. Thankfully, has seemed to be doing a lot better recently. Um, hopefully, you think he's on a path to a full recovery and can get back to full form in terms of his hockey playing. But you know, this is a guy people are talking about before his diagnosis. Top ten. Him and Yurov would were would flip flop on a lot of rankings depending on who you were talking to. They were very closely ranked. Um, Again, on talent, you can easily justify Mirosh Nichenko at eight. The Russian factor and then the health question marks. Again, I just, I don't see. You got to be supremely confident to make that pick. And we know Eisenman has, you know, balls of steel, but man, that is, 
That was, it's not a risk I would be willing to make. As as much as I feel bad for these guys, you know, having to live in Russia right now and doubly so from Roshnachenko to deal with like these catastrophic health issues. It's a lot of risk. You got to move back if you're taking on that. Yes. Yeah. I can absolutely a thousand percent justify either of them at eight on talent. No problem. No questions asked. Probably they probably would both be in my top 10. If not for the, you know, giant question marks around them that they can't, they unfortunately themselves cannot control outside of players, you know, with the, the big, you know, Russian factor or whoever we've already discussed. Is there anyone who <laughs> Brad Lambert and you know, the question I'm going to ask you, you would say you don't want the Red Wings to take that risk or make that pick at eight and yours. Evan is Brad Lambert. Tell us why. Uh, because he can't produce. <laughs> yeah. We have one Philip Zadina. <laughs> yeah. Come on down. A two for one deal. You get to see guys who look really good, but can't finish at all. Um, finish pun intended. Yes. <laughs> um, good job, Evan. Great. If you just watched Brad Lambert, like I said, you watch the highlight tape, you watch the first 90%. You're like, this guy's a top five pick. No problem. And then you go to, you go on elite prospects and you look it up. You're like, how does this guy have, Almost zero points. How is this possible? Can I do some devil's advocate? No. I mean, okay, sure. (laughs) Didn't get the utilization on the teams that he wanted. Poor teammates. Make that happen. Teams, plural. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. It's scary when it follows you. Yeah. You play on a top team, don't get much of a role. You're still a good player, but you're playing like seven minutes on the fourth line. Ah, Lucas Raymond went through that. Makes sense. Okay. You go to a weaker team, you're playing a much bigger role. Same thing's happening. Like, what What do we have to customize a team for you to be able to produce? Now, again, this could all go out the damn window because it is possible that just happened. He walked into the, the perfect storm of two shit situations for him. And the third one, he could have put up a thousand points. Like, very possible because, as Evan said, you watch the tape and you go, holy shit, he is good. Um, but yeah, uh, for my answer to your question, no, I'm not radioing myself and then getting pigeonhole because a pro- I, the guy I said I would be mad is going to be the exact guy the Red Wings pick. And then I got to spend three years backpedaling so I don't end up on the goddamn Red Wings Twitter feed looking like an asshole. <laughs> oh, God, I missed that day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but no, seriously, not like a guy who you would hate the Red Wings pick because outside no. of... You're not, you're not, you're outside, not goading me into it. <laughs> but outside of the obvious, like the, the joke here of like, you know, you don't want to get it wrong. There is, I, I really don't think besides the Russian factor, besides, you know, health issues, there aren't enough certain no's in this draft. I think there's some consideration for every player. Like you can make a case for Brad Lambert, but your preference is to, to not pick. Are there any guys who are, let's say, consensus top 12 for you where you're like consensus top 12 yeah no i really like the consensus top 12 in this draft legitimately okay legitimately when you go through uh, and i'm based on bob's list boy am i happy you cut it off at 12 leave it at that i literally i will leave it at that i looked it up (laughs) to see where connor geeky was yeah (laughs) so the answer here for you like in line with evans uh with brad lambert is connor geeky i didn't say that I'll play devil advocate against, against myself. And when Brad Lambert plays people around his own age, he's almost a point per game player. But 
that does not happen in the NHL. There's they don't play games where you are only playing against players your own age. You play against almost everyone is older than you, and everyone produced at I wouldn't say everyone, but top ten top ten picks produce at a huge level in their draft year. And apropos of nothing, I will say Michael Rasmussen's skating did improve dramatically over the last couple of years. This is a revisionist <clears throat> history and a draft preview. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just pointing out sometimes really big players can improve skating. Absolutely. Yep. <clears throat> what I will say outside of I have the same concerns with Lambert and I have the same concerns with Geeky. Other Odd pl- you mentioned him. Other players that have come up where people have kind of picked them as a potential Red Wings pick are Rut- Rutger McGrory. I've seen the o- Oslin and Ogren that you talked about. I've seen a lot of Isaac Howard. I don't think, I don't think poorly of those players, but my preference based on overall upside is that they don't sniff in my mind. That might be dramatic. They don't come into the same tier of this is worthy of a top eight pick because I think they're going to be players at eighth overall for the Red Wings where similar to Lucas Raymond and similar to now we know Moritz Sider, they could end up being the third, the fourth, the fifth best player in the draft, at least. I don't there I don't want to say I don't want to see them take too big of a stretch because how could you say anything is a stretch with how wild this draft is? But I don't I would want to go for more upside. So I've seen a lot of players with maybe less upside mocked higher. And that to me doesn't uh that doesn't register. I'd rather go with the highest upside possible. I, I will say, and I, I've said this before and I'll repeat it again, based on my own rankings, I can justify in to some capacity, the arguments start to get a little weaker as you go. Everybody in my top 23 at eight, like that's this type of draft. I will say I have Rucker McGordy at 17, which I know is high compared to consensus, but despite the skating flaws, I just love everything else about his game so much that I think even if his skating doesn't improve, he can still carve a successful path in the NHL a la a Ryan O'Reilly-ish. Okay. Not that he'll be that good, but. So that was quite a bit of talk about the Red Wings first round pick at eighth overall. The other picks that they have are in the two in the second round, one third round pick, three in the fourth round, and one in the fifth round, as well as two in the seventh round. So the extra second round pick is from Washington. The extra fourth round picks are from Colorado and Vegas, and the extra seventh round pick is from LA. The two second round picks, let's talk about those. Who are some targets in your mind? What numbers are those at again? 40 and 52. Who are the targets in your mind for the Red Wings at with their second round picks. And this could either be guys who you could see as likely to fall or someone you'd want to take a reach on lane Hudson. Okay. Tell us about lane Hudson. Lane Hudson, uh, might be the biggest wild card in this draft. Cause if you're talking on pure talent, hockey IQ, the things this guy can do on the ice, he's a top 10 talent. Like if, if it was just a pure talent ranking, he's in the top 10, he's a five, eight defenseman. Mm-hmm. Which does not fit Eisenman's mold at all. No, it does not. Um, If you're a big fan of Quinn Hughes, you're probably in the camp of, yeah, you really like Lane Hudson, but you understand the risks. Because that's what Lane Hudson could be. Like, his upside could literally be Quinn Hughes, full stop. He also might never play a shift in the NHL because he's a 5'8 defenseman. He's tiny. He is a very, very small defenseman. So he doesn't fit Eisman's MO, but of guys who are possibly available at 40, nobody's going to sniff the talent he has. 
in, in reality. So the Red Wings have such a full, deep prospect pool of guys who can fill out bottom six roles, who can be bottom pairing defensemen, your Donovan Sabrangos, Emil Viros, William Wallanders, whoever you want to call them. I don't, I hope the Red Wings don't pick for that. Pick for the guys that are either going to be stars or might not play in the NHL because you have, and as the Colorado Avalanche proved, you can fill out the bottom of a roster so easily. And I think who was it we had on the podcast a while back? Reese Jessup made a really good argument for just take the guys who can play in your top six, who might play in the top six. If you make 10 picks in a draft and only two of them pan out, but you got a, a second line, first unit power play guy in the second round, that's a grand slam draft because you can't sign those guys. You can't. They're expensive. They're, they're hard expensive. To get. Yeah. And if you get one at pick 52, you're, and you don't screw up your first round pick, that draft is a massive success. That's a better draft than if you get four fourth line caliber players. So you get five NHLers in a draft, but four of them never play outside of your bottom pairing or your bottom line. You can get those guys for $800,000 in free agency, no problem, and have them be effective. So I look at guys like that um, just for kicks and giggles. Looking at who I have ranked at 40, I've got Gleb Trickazoff. Gleb. Gleb. Great name. Yeah. Again, same type of guy. The odds of him being a top six forward are just as likely as him never playing a shift in the NHL. But if he hits, he's going to hit. He's not a bottom pair guy. He's got the talent. Um, Along that same thought, process you've got matthias havlid luca del bell blues uh philip bystead i like as a a big center who can fly um ty nelson fits that alexander paravalov Matt lindgren isaiah george is an interesting one i want to talk about because he fits eiserman's mold but he's in a unique situation he plays in london in the ohl dale hunter does not play rookies Just never has never will think of him as lou lamorello okay London was a very good team, so he was way beyond the, way down. But he is a huge defenseman who can fly. He, he is very athletic. He is freaky athletic. He's like your – I don't think he has the upside of a William Wallander. But, like, think along those lines of, yeah, you're taking a swing here. But if he hits, the upside could be pretty substantial just because he was playing a small role and you're, you're taking the tools. So – and, again, that's generally how philosophically I like to draft. Like, again, a guy like Leon Bischel – who, I, who has gotten so much traction, I don't think makes it to the second round now, where it's like, oh yeah, this guy's huge, can skate, has basically no offense to his game, but he is just so damn good in his own end. You can find guys like that. Don't waste a premium pick on a guy like that, which now that I say that, I just doomed him to the Red Wings at eight. But uh, So you're not a big Bischel guy? Not a, I don't hate Bischel, but I don't like drafting guys like Bischel with premium picks. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think Liam Bischel will be a very good NHL defenseman. I really do, but you can find guys like him not easily in trades and for agency, but easier. So if I'm taking a pick eight and pick 40, yeah, I want guys who are going to play in my top three D top six forwards, understanding the risk that comes with it. Uh, you you said a couple of names there that really stood out to me. Luca Del Bell Blues out of, uh, from the Steelheads in the OHL. <laughs> He's, I think, stayed too high on the rankings. But I think if you, especially if you don't go center with your eighth overall pick, he's a guy I would love to fall to the Red Wings at 40. Or, I mean, if they want to move, they have, those are a lot of picks that I named earlier. There is going to be movement in this draft one way or another. If they want to move up to grab a guy like him, I would not be mad at all. 
that's the kind of player where I think you make the moves for. There's the skill there to potentially be like what kind of what you called out for a top of your lineup kind of player, even if it's not going to be a number one overall center. Um, I can't disagree with a lot of names you brought up there. Jack Hughes is another one for me who I think might actually be in range for the Red Wings, especially with pick 40. Offensive upside keeps me a little hesitant, but you could absolutely justify him at 40. No problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Get some insider uh, Montreal info while you're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Get the inside scoop. Uh, my I, my dream at 40, and I, I thought it would be stupid even mentioning, but I've seen a lot of rankings who still have him ranked around 40, which is insane to me, is Jagger Furcus. Oh, yeah. He, I don't think he, that's happening. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah. happening either. I think it's a dream. Um, I have him at like 16 on my rankings, and I see a, a lot of other rankings that also have him around that high, but I have seen many, not isolated, who still have him as a second-round guy. Um. And not that it's I, – I think he's better than this player, but this happened last year for me with Logan Stankovin, a guy who I had ranked in the teens, and I'm like, yeah, this guy is small, but I don't care. The talent is exceptional. I think Fergus is a little better than him, but, man, he fell to the 40s. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Fergus makes it to 40, but holy hell, who knows? Philip Bystet, you mentioned – uh, really like him Swedish. And Swedish yeah so Swedish junior league he's big he's what six two six three and can skate yeah and that you know okay what's the only thing missing from that where you're like this is they're all the Red Wings could obviously use this he shoots left and not right yeah and he's and the like puck talent isn't elite isn't otherwise anything special be, otherwise he'd be in the top 15 but he i think he's potentially within range again the the position and the size makes me think he's going to go a little bit higher than potentially 40 but that's a guy who i would love to to fall to the red wings there's two things i want to talk about here and and i wanted to circle back on this from a point you made earlier brad the swedish factor in terms of scouting it's not just a meme right like we don't just joke about the red wings and like oh they only love swedes Here's the thing. Look how successful their European scouting department headed by Hakan Anderson, but also some really great work done by the entire crew over there. And now look at with Cronwall and Lidstrom firmly embedded in that process. Look at the success they've had for the Red Wings over the past few years. Raymond Insider had that list. It looks like Edvinson. Edvinson's doing great. But where they're doing their work is when you get outside of that first round, because that has not happened in North America. And now they have... A, a fridge who can deke you out of your skates and, and uh, uh, Soderbloom coming over. And those are just some of the names, like the first four or five names that come to mind. In a draft where... Johansson, Wallander, they all look like they're going to be players. Niederbach yeah. has outperformed his draft position, even though he's still... Uncertain. Uncertain. There's so much variance and so much uncertainty in this draft. There is going to naturally going to be even more so than there probably already exists for the Red Wings biased towards your talented scouting group who's done it before and that's the Red Wings European scouting team what it comes down to and I I think ultimately this is the point you're getting to even if you don't know it is (laughs) even Eisenman's going to trust these guys more yeah because the track record of success in in Eisenman's tenure so far has been a lot better not that they've been perfect it looks like Tuomista was a swing and a miss um but at a what a quote unquote premium pick, but it's hard to argue. Like, who are the Red Wings success stories out of North America? Mazer, 
Mazur so far. Sabrango looks like he could be a player, but again, not in any sort of premium role. It's too early on a lot of guys, so it's not like it's been yeah. tacit failures, but you have you don't have the Sider, Raymond, Edvinson. Even, like I said, even outside of the first round, Wallander, huge year. Johansson, huge year. Soderbloom, huge year. Like guys who look like they're going to be not only NHLers, but guys who could play key roles in the NHL. Johansson and Wallander look like they could be top four defensemen. Um, Soderbloom looks like he he could be a top six four, top nine at worst. It's too early to call him Booyam. You still have to wait to see yeah, Booyam. Booyam is did not disappoint this year, but I don't think he shattered expectations. But H- Hannes bounced back after a very rough year. Mazer again, there's the success story. He he definitely looks like he's outperforming his draft position and could play a top nine role in Detroit. Um, again, Sabrango probably outperforms his draft position, but ultimately tops out as a bottom pair defenseman. They they haven't had that guy. Now, again, it's only a three-year sample size, so it's not anything crazy, and they have more than enough time to turn it around. But based on that three-year sample size, if you've got one of your, you know, I'll um, say one of your North American scouts sitting there banging the table for Noah Warren, just to pull a random North American name, and you've got Hakan Anderson sitting there banging the table for Philip Bystet, Osmond's going to go with the suite just because he's been right more. That's probably how this. Now, that being said, if Bystead's standing there and Havilid's standing there, and then Noah Warren and, you know, pick another North American name here, Owen Beck, and the North American scout's banging the table for Owen Beck, and then Eisman looks over at Anderson, he goes, eh, nobody here for me. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's go with the North, North American guy. And I, I think this should be obvious, but just to say, it's not about the players and where they're born it's legitimately about where the scouting teams are and yeah. the, the, the success of the scouting teams and also you talked about small sample let's not forget the 2019 draft where eisman went up and called cider's name and you know the red wings drafted cider and it's a big shock um that wasn't eisman's people he had that, just got there that was a lot of those scouts did carry over though especially in europe a lot of the scouts did carry over but that was the tyler wright amateur scouting team 2020 and 2021 are when he started to put his people in. Uh, Draper has taken over amateur scouting. So more and more now you're starting to see true Eisman picks. The other thing I want to talk about here, and I touched on it lightly, is all those picks I talked about. You know, eighth overall, 40th, 52, the one third round pick, the three fourth round picks, the fifth. I forgot about the three fourths. Yeah. Which <laughs> is like the hallmark of the Red Wings. No sixth round pick and two sevenths. Oh, no. There are going to, there usually are trades. Most of them inconsequential, like, you know, a fifth for a late fourth next year, whatever it might be, a seventh, you swap seventh round picks, whatever. Do you see any big trades potentially workable for the Red Wings with like the very big qualifier that, I mean, anything Def- can happen? Define big. First round. You're either trading mm-hmm. to the first round or you're dealing eighth overall. I'll give you those two hypotheticals. No, I don't. Um, I think maybe the biggest swing i can envision like again if uh marco casper hypothetically starts to fall into the 20s then i think we're in the territory of all right i you're adding whatever you can to 40 to get up i don't think that's going to happen as much as there's a huge variance in this draft i don't think the variance is that large where we're going to see a a top 10 guy fall into the mid-20s where I think we might see some activity from the Red Wings here is understanding you have a contract limit and you only have so many spots for prospects and the Red Wings already have a very full prospect system. Again, albeit not of star level players. 
I think those fourth round picks could be interesting ammo this year because they have three of them and they have two second round picks. So if there's a guy kicking around 30 to 35 that they really like and they want to bump up from 40 and use one of those fourths to get up. 10 spots is still a lot in that range, but not a crazy amount. Exactly. Like, yeah, your first fourth round pick to get up five-ish to 10-ish spots in the second round, I think, is in range. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, even more likely at 52, package a fourth to get up to like 45 if there's just a guy that you're falling in love with. I think the Red Wings are in that territory of now where they they definitely need to value premium over just sheer volume of darts at the board because they've had they've had so many a lot of darts and again when you go through their system there is a lot of guys there that i think are going to be nhlers but outside of Soderbloom, bergeron johansson wallander do we really give a lot of credence to any of them being top six top four top six top four no exactly i, like, I yeah. think there is still like it's still too early on. Think of the the guys taken last year: yeah. Red Savage, Liam Dower, Nielsen, even Plandowski and Zito. Too early. The, all I relative to where all those guys have were picked, I think they all have panned out good. I don't think any of them are more than bottom line, bottom pair, right? It's, e- even if they make it, if it's possible, but if you're saying that confidently, you're either. Like you either know something you don't, we don't, or you're super hopeful. It's you just haven't seen enough yeah. to say because they do have to heavily outperform their draft position. So, like where I'm looking at Feisman is if I'm sitting there at 40, and you know, just because I like him, I'll use him as an example. If all of a sudden it's like pick 31, 32, and Jagger Furcus is still sitting there, who I think, oh man, this guy could be an impact player in our top six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm starting to okay. What do I? have to throw in to get up there and get this guy right something along those lines um elaine hudson if you really believe it just the yeah we we see an impact player here maybe a rucker mcgrordy falls to the late 20s and you're like just gonna say rucker mcgrordy you know what i was surprised to see nathan gauche ranked so low on bob's list that's another one where i'm like i wouldn't hate moving up to grab him no i i don't know if i move up for gauche but he's one of those guys that if he slips to 40 yeah you, you you get on the mic as quick as you can. Any guys for you, Evan, where you have uh, an eye on their names potentially either slipping down the board or you think they're in that range already? Um, not so much slipping down the board. Um, one guy Brad already somewhat alluded to is Owen Beck. He's another water bug, plays center, plays for the steelhead in uh, the OHL. Um, Our entire second round could just be Mississauga Steelheads. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Um, just fire down the 401. You're going to Detroit, boys. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of the the wish.com of somebody in the first round. Oh, my God. My brain is a mess. Um, he's a little water bug. Um, Frank Nazer without the insane offensive upside. Pretty much. Um, yeah. You know what? He, he could be... And a little bigger. He's like 35 to 55 in a lot of rankings, but... Um, he, he needs someone eventually to start filling out the, you know, if all things go right, he's a second line player and that would be wild. Um, worst case, he plays all roles up and down the lineup and, uh, he kills a ton of penalties and provides some, some points, um, with your depth forward. So he's one guy I had, uh, earmarked if I, if we really want to go boot, uh, swing for the fence. Um, well, I mean, I got to look at his name because I'm going to butcher this. Elias Salomonson, Monson. Mm-hmm. Mon- yeah, that's good. Yep. Hey, there we go. Yeah. I went to Sweden once. I'm cultured. Um, <laughs> oh, you and Max both. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I eat McDonald's every day. Um, 
he, listen, he has almost no idea what he's doing defensively from my eye. Um, so does same with Brad. Yeah. He still knows hockey. PK one, buddy. But, <laughs> but th- when this guy's on, his offensive upside is ridiculous. And you know what? If, if he's got at least one thing that's elite, you may as well swing for it. Um, and he's Swedish. So there you go. The only knock to him is um, he's only six foot one. So he's too short to play defense on Detroit. Um, but he's, I, I know a little bit about him and he seems like a guy where the, the image is murky on him. So if- you know what? He could be Philip Peronic. Seriously. Philip Peronic gets lost out there a lot. And we always were touting and waiting for his massive offensive upside as well. So um, he could be Philip Peronic. If you can get a half point per game right-handed defenseman at pick 53, you are sprinting, screaming, laughing to the podium. So I, um, I'm going to throw a name out there as like a real wild card who's not ranked till the mid rounds in most, most. So if I tell you there's a five foot nine forward who does not skate well, Brad Crisco. Thank you. Um, five foot nine forward who doesn't skate well. You're probably not taking him in the top two rounds. But then I tell you in the Quebec League, he had 109 points in 68 games. Little intrigued, eh? Jordan Dume. Okay. Play for Halifax. Again, unbelievably smart. Tremendous talent. Tiny, can't skate for shit. Which like, <laughs> but a hundred and nine points in sixty eight games, like just absolute. So how comical. does he? How does he get his points? Do you? How deep of his game do you know? Does he get? Is Not, he, does like, he stand I, there and bang him home, or does he drive the play? And he drives a play. He had thirty nine goals to his seventy assists. He sees the ice exceptionally well when the puck is on his stick. That puck could end up anywhere because he can dangle a guy. He's got a good shot and his vision is just incredible. Now, this could be just him picking on shitty QMJHL defense. But again, there aren't a lot of 18-year-olds in this draft who put up 109 points this year, right? Right. So I think he's a huge wild card of this draft because I've seen projections on him as high in the second round and as low as he doesn't get drafted. So <laughs> people are People are very hit or miss uh on his skating though i've seen people say it looks ugly but it works and i've seen people say what you just said which Same. is that it's garbage it's not what people always say if they hate their skating they're like ah, oh, it's, it's unconventional but it gets them around the ice like have you but ever there, there are guys it literally does work for um again i've i've watched a bit of dume again he's not one of the guys i had time to do a super super deep dive on and watching him skate i get it <laughs> like i get it but for all the he's the inverse brad lambert <laughs> literally <laughs> oh okay um i think maybe the last thing before we get to patreon questions here and you are gonna hate me for asking evan and brad both of you are gonna hate me for asking this a lot of the listeners are gonna hate me for asking this but if this is to be an all-encompassing draft preview let's talk some trade proposals new jersey's is in dylan play. larkin for the eighth Dylan Larkin for Shane Wright. Phillies might be in play, but that's probably well. We'll see. Um, Are, we're just about to piss off all the Tyler Bertuzzi stands. Is what's about to happen? Well, I mean, where Tyler Bertuzzi stands. So let's look at trip. We'll we'll have a complete list. Tradable Red Wings. Yeah, if we're going to include Bertuzzi, let's include Larkin. Despite you know 
personal opinions like on whether or not if we're talking realistically circumstance matters are we counting prospects yep okay uh, hold on the Heronics list of- in there Heronics in there too okay so if we're going through the entire red wings organization as of this moment going into this draft understanding that how our trades relative to this draft going to play out the list of untradeable red wings is Moritz cider lucas raymond probably simon evanson Steve that, that, that's it. We're done. Yeah. We're we're done. There's a lot of unlikelies, but I would say those are the three I can confidently say are not going to move. Now, there's a lot more guys that I can say even more confidently aren't going to move, but that's just because nobody will want them. Well, I would say <laughs> outside of the three that you just named, the top of the list for the rest would be Dylan Larkin because as an organization, you have no top six centermen outside of him. He's your captain and you're probably I, I don't want to speak to he just had an agent change so i don't want to speak to how much of a discount he's going to take if at all but the guy very clearly likes being in detroit and wants to buy into a winning system so by all rights that's your best chance to lock down a top six center five percent chance dylan larkin's not moving so look at the 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 scape of what might be available what are some hypothetical trades you could see working? Or do you think it is so far out, out of the realm of possibility it's not even worth talking about? So I'm going to say that I think in the top 10, it's probably not happening. Okay. As much as I like Tyler Bertuzzi, I, I don't think him as a centerpiece is going to be enough to get you New Jersey or Philly or Ottawa's pick. Um, because if he was, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, as much as I love Tyler Bertuzzi, he's got one year left. And he's in his mid to late 20s. The one that I think where it starts to get interesting, where I would, if teams are willing, and I wouldn't be opposed to use Heronic as the main piece to add on to pick 40 to get back into the first round if there's a guy there. That was immediately when you asked the question was, I thought Heronic in one of the second round picks that bump up and grab somebody sitting there i i think for a lot of teams who need a right shot defense because let's not forget that still is a premium it only takes one team to still really believe in philip Ronick to add on to pick 40 and all of a sudden you're back around pick 20 you're on the board again looking at a, a Fergus, a mcgrordy an isaac howard matey chuck i don't know whatever your flavor is um you know that that that's probably where if I'm the Red Wings taking a quote unquote big swing, understanding that a top 10 pick is a pipe dream, that's where I'm looking. You know, what's funny is if you ask me between last year, what I knew then and this year, what I knew now, pretend I had all the information about this draft this year, a year ago, and you said, which is the draft where you're more, the Red Wings are more likely to move up, to trade to move up in the first round or move into the first round. I would have said this year, I would have said 22. Meanwhile, I mean, we know they did it for Kosa last year. And not to say it can't happen this year. To it's be just, fair, they, had, they used a first-round pick yeah. to get up to Kosa. So they only went up, what, eight spots? They used the first-round pick to get a first-round pick. Yeah, it, it's they essentially knew that their guy was there, and they thought, oh, shit, Ken Holland and Edmonton's going to take him, and that's why they moved up to grab Kosa. But still, I would have said this year's more likely because, like, you just named three guys off the top of your head who I was like, yeah, I would move up for all of them. There's probably a dozen more. And I personally, and I should have said this earlier when we were talking about it, I'm not as concerned with the Russian factor because the Red Wings are further removed from being a competitive team. I think they can eat those years without the players um, because of their timeline. So, you know, if a Mirashnichenko is really, really close to them 
or a Danila Yurov is way further down than like 14 or 15, that's a, those are more names to the list. I think this first round is ripe with players who they're not all top 10 talents. Not all these guys are going to turn out to be the five best players in the draft, but they're sure as hell to be way more likely uh, uh, to have more likely market inefficiencies, so to speak, outside of that top 10. The hottest take I might have for this draft um, probably has to do with not trading up for Mroshnichenko and Yurov because I think there's a non-zero chance they just fall to the second round. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I, that while at they, least on Mroshnichenko, Yurov, yeah. I have a harder time, but I don't think that's impossible. Either. No, yeah, I, I think the Fedotov thing specifically is going to scare a lot of teams because there's already been scouts who have been quoted in some articles saying we've been instructed by people well above us don't even put them on your list we are not drafting a russian this year so if that's a lot of teams in the 20s they they might just go all the way to the second round um you know because again i think that getting back to the point of the conversation though is i think the red wings are Going into the draft, more likely primed to trade up in this draft than they were last year, not because of draft capital or need. I just think the seasons that a lot of their prospects have had, or sorry, had, opens them up to taking more swings, taking more gambles. Again, I don't think we expected Johansson, Wallander, and Mazur to be as good as they were this year. No. I I don't think we were expecting Hannes to bounce back. I don't think a lot of the things that played out this year were like they were such positive developments that all of a sudden the Red Wings future looks a little more certain so they can gamble. I'm going to give you a crazy scenario. I know I said Ottawa likes Casper. Let's say Casper's gone. Ottawa's not in love with any of the players. It would take so much more than just Hronik, but a package for Ottawa's seventh overall pick. Are we including eight or no? no we're not getting, including eight. We're getting a second top ten pick here. Yeah. Okay. Would Ottawa have an interest in a Philip Hronik type player based on what they want to do as a team and how they want to on top of Tyler Bertuzzi? Yeah, I mean, you, it, add, it Tyler, will, you add Tyler Bertuzzi. You add maybe a twenty twenty three first. You add whatever other premium prospects you think you have oh, to I, do there. I am not giving up a twenty twenty three first under any circumstance. Well, that's why I call it a crazy scenario. Yeah. I could see Ottawa as a team though who might. If you take no, a Heronic in front of them where you're like, hey, and they'd be like half point per game right-handed defenseman, he'd work for us. If you're the Red Wings and you really love, let's say, Savoy and Casper, like, well, we're not sure Savoy is a center. Screw it. Let's draft him a center with the next pick. Like, okay, yeah. that type of scenario. Um, I think your best case scenario, and I wouldn't even call it likely, would be you're giving up Bertuzzi, Heronic, and 40. Yeah, I was going to say both second round picks. It's steep. It's a steep price. I would do it because I think the Red Wings need the premium pieces more than they need a depth defenseman. Um, again, Bertuzzi's contract situation could dramatically change my opinion on this because, again, if the Red Wings and Bertuzzi are close on an extension, that's that's reasonable. His values, you keep, you keep him. Yes. You absolutely keep him. For anyone angry about the Bertuzzi talk, the advocacy here is to keep him. But for everything I said about Larkin, I'm going to repeat with Bertuzzi. If they have had those extension talks and Bertuzzi and the Red Wings are not close, if the Red Wings are going, we're giving you five years, and he's like, I'm not signing for anything less than eight, his value is never going to be higher than probably this weekend. So you have to entertain it. Like we're We're getting close to the... 
tipping point with Bertuzzi because again, there is still the possibility you go into the season with him and you trade him at the deadline. But then you run two risks. A, you're trading him for half a year of rental value, yeah. which lowers it. And B, if he just has a shitty start to the season, his value tanks. He's coming off a career year. That's the difference. Larkin's not had a an ugly negotiation, and Bertuzzi's had two that have been very uncertain. So it's easy for us to say, okay, you know, you come up to the deadline. If you come up to the deadline with Dylan Larkin, I, I will say right now, you, I, you're still not trading him in my mind. But with Bertuzzi, you're like, this guy might walk because he's he's come close before. Anyhow, I'm going to pull us off the, the crazy ledge here in terms of what's absolutely insane uh, in, in trade proposals because trying well, to predict. Not yet. I don't think I gave enough qualifiers. As to, yeah. This is all crazy and I don't think it'll happen, but everything I just said. Final thoughts <laughs> leading into the 2022 NHL entry draft for the Red Wings before we head into overtime here. Brad, Evan. Be prepared for everything that we just said and everything we just talked about to be rendered useless. It's Steve Eiserman. He could draft way off the board. He could trade out of the pick outright. It Everything's on the table in this draft and double that because it's Steve Eiserman. Yeah, I'm uh, very much prepared to just be like, or for the pick to come into my reaction to be okay. That, you're going to be that emphatic on stream? No. <laughs> it's... Um, it's Doctor Strange in Infinity War, where he's going through like the 14 million potential scenarios. That's legitimately it. I know there's this qualifier every year for the draft. There's just so many players and you never really know how scouting teams are going to think, blah, blah, blah. Like think of when Shai Buyan was taken last year. And we weren't thinking like, oh, what a travesty. They didn't take X, Y, Z player that we really liked. It's like, yeah, that's the nature of the second round. Turn that dial up to 11 this year. We're dealing with the post-COVID scouting era. We're dealing with a hell of a lot of uncertainty. Geopolitical land war is affecting players' draft stock. There's a major, uh, like a highly talented potential top 10 talent player who has the Russian factor and is also recovering from Hodgkin's lymphoma. Like there are so many different things at play here. So yeah, I think Brad, your, your assessment is right. Don't get married to a player there are a wealth of good options here for the Red Wings, and it's going to be fun. It's going to, depending on how how invested you get in the draft, it might be anxiety inducing, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be wild, and that is if there isn't a single trade made, which is also not a guarantee. Now to qualify my qualifier, Eisman went way the hell off the board when he picked Cider and like Maximum Chaos. Raymond and Edmondson were right about where they were projected to go, so. Yeah. It's not, I'm not sitting here and saying he's definitely going off the board. I'm sitting here and talking about Matt Savoy for the last year. He might just pick Matt Savoy. It's very much on the table. I'm just saying expect everything. Everything's on the table. Okay, folks, that is as much as is reasonable to cover in the 2022 NHL draft preview. There is going to be another episode uh, planned pre-draft where if anything else changes, we get any other news, uh, someone dares defy Steve Eisman and leaks information. Uh, if we get any kind of information about what the Red Wings or the rest of the NHL is thinking, uh, it'll come in that next episode. But for now, thank you for tuning in to the 2022 NHL Draft Preview. Let's jump into overtime where our Patreon supporters uh, can ask their questions and we will answer them. And uh, patreon.com slash podcast if you want to join the Dub Dub Club. They're the reason why we have spent, I don't think it's crazy to say thousands of hours over the years, 
going into draft prospect content, scouting analysis, interviews, things like that. So uh, if you love the draft coverage, you have our Patreon supporters to thank you for that. So if you want to join patreon.com slash podcast, you're all incredible to us and we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Let's start with a question from Joe Valeno's eyebrows. <laughs> says good day lads draft day is nearly here and we can we finally have a coach who can take this young group forward here's a proposed scenario it gets to pick number eight and both savoy and Yurichek are available who do you select from this duo looking at this from either a position of need at center or best player available as a solid right-handed defenseman building from the back well lucky for me both line up to matt savoy i think i go Yurichek. Yurichek has been the guy i thought would be the most likely to drop out of the top I'll say seven since the Red Wings pick at eight. Um, and I think you'd be an excellent addition to the Red Wings. The knee injury, yeah, I think is going to be enough to potentially move him out if something crazy happens. I have more certainty about Yurichek being a top-end player than I do about Savoy. The only things working against that are that, you know, Yurichek plays the same side in position as Moritz Sider, but having two top pair caliber right-handed defensemen is not a bad problem to have. Agreed. The Red Wings could still use more. Really, the only, when you go through the system, the only position where I can say they have a surplus would be lefty. You can make a case for centers, left wingers, right wingers, right D. They don't have a lot on any of those ones. So if they wanted to go, even if they thought Matt Savoy was a right winger, fine. If they want, if they think your check's right D, which he is, fine positional value there i don't think matters a ton i i just think savoy's a better player okay uh also dark horse steel prediction in the draft vladimir grudinin remember the name grudinin yeah i've seen him anywhere from late first round to like in the hundreds <laughs> uh i had to change my name too many times and then the name gets truncated it says mcdunn in tampa am i right Grant mismatch, uh, the great mismatch from Nash will lead Tampa back to the glory of Lord Stanley. Plus, there is some other guy in the mix, probably not important. Jokes and uh, jokes aside, I'm surprised Tampa would deplete their decor uh, with moving McDonough before letting a forward or two go. Can we expect them to not dummy the Red Wings so badly next season? No, they're still going to be good, and this is why Tampa's smarter than everybody else, and why they've been successful. Is Ryan McDonough a good defenseman? A very good defenseman? Yes, he is. Did he show? slight signs of regression this year he did he's 33 with a high cap hit and four years left on his contract you bail while you still can and yeah is it ideal losing a key defenseman no but they've got sergachev who will step into his role and now that will probably allow them to keep palat potentially and a couple other players i'd rather keep the guys who are younger and cheaper even though mcdonough is still really good because Will McDonough go off a cliff this year? No, maybe not, but maybe he will. The year after that, maybe. But every year it gets more and more likely, and the longer you wait, you just get stuck to dead weight. Um, Babe Landeskog is the Stanley Cup champion, says, what team is most likely to surprise us at the draft? Not good, not bad, just surprise. It could be a trade-up, unlikely pick in their spot, etc. I'm going to go Ottawa. New ownership. They have the excitement of a potential new arena coming. Um, who knows what the GM is either going to do in terms of saying to the new ownership, Hey, let me keep my job. Or he doesn't have the constraints of Eugene Melnick over him anymore. And maybe he wants to move them into contention. I think Ottawa's right for that. And then another one is Arizona. 
Arizona is in a buck wild situation where they're going to play in essentially my backyard. They are hurting for money. They are going to have to prove beyond proof that they have a fan base that they can bring with them to this planned arena in Tempe, which still isn't guaranteed. They have to make sure that every one of those under 5,000 seats is sold out and they have to put a show on the ice. So what are they going to do as well? I agree with you on both those things, but I don't think either of those things would be a surprise. I think I'm kind of expecting them to try to be active, both those teams from a sense. And, uh, you know, even with Ottawa, they've said it publicly. Like, yeah, we'll trade seven if it's up to it. The team that nobody's talking about that I think could get real wild at the draft, and there's been no reports that they're going to, but three first-round picks, this is a year they're expecting to flip the switch and, you know, try to compete. Why is nobody talking about Buffalo? Three first-round picks, and this team is expecting to, like, turn that switch this season. There's possibilities here. All right. Next question here is from Jeff White, who says, hello, I'm a pretty new patron. Jeff, thank you so much for your support. Welcome to the Dub Dub Club. Uh, says, I've been listening uh, to your show. I found it uh, ever since uh, Wings for Breakfast ended. Wing Wheel podcast really has me excited about being uh, – Excited about Red Wings hockey again. I've been a Wings fan since the late 80s, but didn't follow very closely over the last decade due to their decline in play and life just happened. Uh, part of... Man... You don't have to tell us. It's been, uh, part of the success of the Russian Five was the fact that they all grew up with a similar style of play. It changed how teams had to defend the wings and especially that line. So my question is, is a player's familiarity with the system or style of play considered when drafting or in trading slash free agency? Not really. Um, the way hockey is taught this year from the minor hockey level to the junior level to the pro level, all these high-level players are going to have gone through many different high level systems so no matter what system an nhl team deploys the odds are this player has played in a system at least somewhat similar to it at some point along the way because the guys like you know lucas raymond and simon edmondson who just came up through the Furlunda system the all the all the way through is pretty rare that's not a thing that really happens in North America and it doesn't happen in every European country. And even in the countries it does happen, a lot of players don't just end up in that one system the whole time through. So it helps, but I, I don't think it's it's a factor at all. Okay. Uh, Jigglypig says, which team currently has the worst future? Winnipeg, Philly, or Chicago? I'm going to say in order, Philly, Winnipeg, Chicago. Based on how they're constructed or based on their mentality? Constructed because of outgoing players, potentially. I'm going off the board. San Jose. They are very old. Their prospect system is not good. And they are absolutely saddled by a lot of bad contracts. Which team currently has the best future? Detroit, Buffalo, L.A.? I want to say Detroit so bad, but it's it's LA right now. If they, especially if they go out and sign Philip Forsberg, even if they don't, <laughs> I mean, look at their system, look at their team. They just made the playoffs. Turcotte hasn't come up yet. Byfield hasn't done anything yet. Arthur Kaliev. Kaliev had a pretty good season, but he's still young and got to think. They just got Kevin Fiala. <laughs> yeah, Byfield still needs some growing. Yeah. 
And they bought again, him some time with Fiala, and especially if they add more. They would be a pro- have a promising future in the same category as Detroit. The only difference is uh, LA just made the playoffs and still have a very similar prospect pool. <laughs> okay. Um, we have time for but one more question here. I'm sorry we didn't take more, but just for the sake of keeping this listenable, we also have the Patreon exclusive overtime. Uh, we're recording right after this for all patrons. Uh, Ake first says, are there any late, like potentially fifth to seventh round prospects that you're rooting for? I know there's only a slim chance to make it to the NHL from those rounds, but it's only about bias, love, or personal preference. I mean, there's nobody that I could say I'm I'm actively rooting for that I have like a vested interest in or I'm a fan of. Like usually for me, that's the Kitchener Rangers guys, but like their prospect pool for this NHL draft is pitiful. So there's nobody I'm following there. I don't know if we're talking about a guy who's going to be drafted in that range that I want the Red Wings to take a flyer on. I'll reference back to him. Jordan Dume. I was just going to say, I don't know that he's going to go late, but for a guy who's been shown to be that, how his, uh, how much does he weigh? Like nothing. Right? 160 something pounds. He's tiny. Guys like that often do go really low unless one GM really loves him. And you're listed at one point at 150 or 160 pounds you could fall and that could be a, a potential like, yeah, if, round pick there. Yeah. If, with the Red Wings having three fourth round picks, unless some other guys that I really like fall, that's probably where I'm going to start my, Hey, maybe start thinking about this guy just in case. All right, folks, 2022 NHL draft live stream, the wing wheel podcast live stream on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash wing wheel podcast starts at 6 PM Eastern on Thursday, July 7th. Uh, tune in for that we hope you enjoyed this 2022 nhl draft preview there's uh one more episode coming with the final mock draft because we love being wrong on the record uh so stay tuned for that as well as any other news thank you all so much for tuning in the draft season we're almost at the end yet still right here at the beginning of the whole process so it's going to be a fun week um we'd like to thank all of our listeners everyone who's left left us ratings on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and everything it helps so so much the sponsors of this podcast, the FanDuel Sportsbook, all of our Patreon supporters, members of the Dub Dub Club, uh, and the name level supporters on Patreon, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Ake Fur, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of the Number 69, Crying Ryan Han has been in a slam and jamathong. Matthew M. Rice, Brandon M., Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Chad Jobin, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Doesn't Tuesn It, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greach, Helm Was Held Back by Blashill, Hassam Al Qasem, I'd Leave My Wife for Cider, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Scott Martin, Sean Levine, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Sam Bankson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Adam, Now I Finish Better Than Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog is a Stanley Cup champion, Ben Barron, Brian Vasha, Chocolate, nope, not reading that one, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Dungeon Master of Puppets, Evans Bankrupt Parking Garage, Evans Bingo Card, G-Rated Snowblower Joke, <laughs> thank you, Reed for adjusting um jack the bassist james laporte uh jeremiah dobo jeremy brocker jm rhapsody john evans josh yelton justin in the angry mob kevin mccracken quaz matt keeler matt s maximilian cheesebags papa woody puck norris revy deluca thick rick trevor pevavar zach mccann a driving range superstar thank you all so much we'll see you one more time 
for the 2022 NHL Draft. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.